and we no like If a bit of parasite and we no like They are mad as none of me stops and we no like Niggas when they overhype, fast the way I give you a fight So call me to never backbite, we no like Watch if woman sat a light and we no like Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 91 of All In With Kevin. I am your host, Kevin Lewis. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about the upcoming NBA Finals between the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors, and a brief look back at Game 7 between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. Now, to start with the Game 7 of the Heat-Celtics series, that series kind of felt like one of those that went seven games because the Celtics kind of played with their food. Um, the Heat are a very good team. I'm not knocking them at all, but their half-court offense leaves a lot to be desired, and that's even with Jimmy Butler going crazy the last couple of games. Their half-court offense just leaves a whole lot to be desired because it's either Jimmy, Bam, or Bust. And Bam half the time spends basically fading into oblivion, and sometimes you don't realize he's actually on the court. So for all intents and purposes, it's Jimmy or Bust, right? With the Heat half-court offense. Their defenses are of similar caliber. Boston's is better. I think they have better personnel and better players. And, I mean, they perform better, too. Their defense is a little bit better. The difference between the two largely is I need a basket. I could go I could go to Jason Tatum. I could go to Jalen Brown. They have a bunch of guys who shoot at a high level, at a high clip from the outside. Uh, it, they have – Boston has every ingredient you need to win a championship. I can't really say the same for the Miami Heat because they don't have a second guy you could go to reliably to get a basket, to oversimplify it, but that's kind of what it is. Because they got everything else. They got the role players you need. You got the defensive anchor you need, and you got the the superstar you need, Jimmy Butler. They just don't have that second guy who can create um, reliably on the outside to get it done. And it showed in that series as... Miami took them to seven. Now, um, the the Jimmy Butler shot. Obviously, Jimmy Butler played great game six and game seven. Now, I'm not saying all of this to criticize him, to over-criticize him. I, I mean, I'm not really criticizing him, period. Like, I understand why he took that shot. Now, I will admit, I thought the shot was stupid at, at first. And, and I, still, I still don't think it's an ideal shot. I don't think it's a good shot. I have softened my stance since because... Obviously, Jimmy Butler just did not want to play five more minutes of basketball. It was just like, all right, look, if I make this three, chances are this game is not going to overtime. Unless, like, Boston makes a three and then we make a two. And at that point, I don't think they would go for a two anyway. But he thought his best chance was making that three, getting a stop, and making some free throws. I can't even really fault him for that. That's his opinion. Um, given the context of the game and given the fact that the Celtics looked like they were full-on imploding, I don't necessarily agree that they couldn't have won a five-minute overtime period. Because really, a five-minute overtime period, if you make, if you just somehow make two three-pointers, you might win the game on that alone. Especially in that context, with everybody half dead, you, you, might, you might win on that alone. So I, I don't necessarily agree with him. And Jimmy, Jimmy's a bad three-point shooter on top of that. And you had Al Horford backpedaling. And I just feel like whatever you created, you were probably better off creating it by going to the rim, whether it's an opportunity for himself at the rim or, you know, if somebody helps off a three-point shoot, you can, you can hit them with it and let them shoot it. So I didn't feel like it was a really good, I don't, I didn't feel like it was a good shot personally. Uh, I have softened my stance since I saw him take it. 
I don't think it's as egregious as some do, including myself initially. But I don't that that if I was rooting for the Heat, I wouldn't like that shot. Would I hate it? And eh, probably not. I wouldn't like it either. But he balled out. Uh, props to him. He's the only real reason that series went seven. Obviously, Boston. I, I mentioned before, Boston does kind of get in their own way and play with their food. But Jimmy Butler had two heroic efforts. In, in games that they won in that series, and obviously he had the heroic game seven game seven effort that went for not. So, that was that. Unfortunately, the Celtics are in the finals. I love Jason Tatum, but hate the Celtics. So this this is hard for me. Really love Jason Tatum, hate the Celtics. But all right, so on to Celtics Warriors. Um, right, we we understand that regular season matchups kind of don't mean much, as far as predicting playoffs stuff. It, a lot of things change, happen in the regular season. You don't game plan as much in the regular season. You know, guy, guys guys don't play as hard in the regular season. You know, you have injuries. You have guys who are willing to sit out over, you know, stuff that they wouldn't sit out for in the playoffs. A, a lot of different factors. Obviously, regular season basketball doesn't matter as much. Now, one of the games between the Warriors and Celtics was significant. Because Steph Curry got hurt in that game. And there was panic. You know, uh, is this going to derail their season? What's going to happen from here? Do they have the depth to replace Steph? Blah, blah, blah. And it led almost directly to a Jordan Poole breakout. And not for nothing, that injury might have jump-started Jordan Poole's career. From a lot of different perspectives. Obviously, from the current Warriors perspective, he obviously helps them more than he hurts. Duh. Jordan Poole's about to get a big fat raise. I'm not sure he's a, if he's a restricted free agent this year or next year. I think it's next year. Either way, if he continues at anywhere near this kind of rate, he's going to get a massive, massive pay raise. So that, that injury, as much as injuries do stink, it benefited the Warriors long term. And it benefited, and it sure as hell benefited Jordan Poole long term. So, Curry missed some time. It, it didn't end up hurting the Warriors too much. Like, they didn't get the one seed, they got the two seed. Okay, and then they, they ended up taking the one seed out anyway. It, it it benefited them long term. Now, as far as both of these teams, I think the Celtics are probably a better team on paper from one through eight or nine or however many people both teams are going to play. I think they are a better team. Two of the, if you go through the list of uh, of players in the series and you rank them in order, you know, like most of the first like ten are going to be Celtic players. You're going to probably have like, well, I shouldn't say most. You're probably going to have like six Celtics and four Warriors, something like that. And the Celtics, they have two dudes who can get their own, whatever they need to. They they got all kind of defensive wings. That that can call that can cause problems for the other team. Even though Jalen Brown is overrated on defense, by the way, completely overrated, and he's been overrated for a long time. Like Jason Tatum is what they think Jalen Brown is on the defensive end of the floor. Like he's a space cadet often on that on that end of the floor. He has the tools to do it. He's just he just ha- he just hasn't executed on that end of the floor in a long time, right? But you you know you have Marcus Smart, you have Grant Williams, you have Al Horford, you have a whole bunch of wings who could sw- who could switch. You you have Derek White. You you have a, a a lot of 
defensive versatility on on the wings. The Warriors do too. To be fair, they have Clay, they have Andrew Wiggins, they have you know Draymond is one, arguably the best defensive player in the sport. You have him too. You have a whole bunch of dude. You have a whole bunch. Of, there's a reason that these teams a are in the finals and b have made it here on the strength of defense, partially anyway. Both of them had really good defense in the regular season. The Warriors' defense is has slipped a little bit in the postseason, but to be fair, they face really good offensive teams. They face really good offensive teams. Um, Boston's defense has been a little bit stingier in, in, the, in the playoffs as opposed to the regular season. You know, they had a, a 105.1 defensive rating in the playoffs as opposed to a 105.2 over the last five months of the regular season. So they've been just as good as they were in the regular season. Um, and also, the, Warrior, the Warriors' defense took a, a, a quite a significant hit when Draymond Green got hurt in January. But they've come back around. The, the Warriors' offense in the playoffs has a 116.1 rating, and that, that that's better than their, their regular season rating. You know, Steph Curry's going to do what Steph Curry does. Jordan Poole is Jordan Poole at this point. Like he's gonna he, He's a firecracker off the bench. Oh, Andrew Wiggins seems to be really settled in his role, and Klay Thompson has a, an explosion just waiting to. He, he has an explosion that he he just occasionally drops on the table, like like a draw four basically. Like he just, oh hey, it's my day. Like sometimes you could just tell the first like three possessions of a Warriors game, Klay Thompson takes three threes and makes two, and you're like, all right, yeah, it's gonna be his night. You could kind of just tell early. Um. But as far as the matchup between the two teams, it, it, it just comes, how are the Warriors going to score? Are they going to score enough? Because, I mean, Memphis defense gave them issues, especially when, when Ja was off the floor. But as I said, the, the Celtics had the best, uh, the best defense for most, of, for most of the regular season. They've had the best defense in the playoffs. They have... All kind of defensive uh, versatility, personnel-wise, all over the court. They don't have any blatant mismatches. Like, gr- granted, I don't think Al Horford wants to see Steph Curry. Do I think Al Horford can make life difficult on Steph Curry when he gets the switch? Yeah, I think he can. Steph might saute him anyway, but I think he can make it at least hard. Al Horford is a savvy, smart defensive player who's always in the right spot. You know who who isn't really apt to go for a whole bunch of pump fakes. He's that guy, and he's had a hell of a whatever six weeks. How long has the playoffs been? Six seven weeks. He's been absolutely fantastic for the Celtics. Um. The the one thing game one, I fully expect the Warriors to win because Miami took the Celtics to seven. The Celtics are going to be traveling cross court while while the Warriors are while the Warriors are practicing. Basically, they're going to be traveling um, cross court, traveling cross country. Excuse me, while the Warriors are practicing, I I fully expect a, a game seven hangover of sorts, a dead legs affair in game one. I think I think the Warriors are going to win game one pretty comfortably. This motherfucker's going out. His legs is like like linguine. I've been kicked out of better homes than this. <laughs> I'll be back, you black motherfuckers. Wide nose having motherfuckers. They said, they never gave you niggas money. You don't know how to 
appreciate it. You know you get another coat. What am I gonna do about my legs? Now, and I mean, there's two there's two days off between every game except games three and games four. So that helps the Celtics for sure, especially coming off the series they just played, where the Warriors won in five, these dudes won a hard-fought seven-game series. I mean, the 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 Grizzlies, I, I point to the Grizzlies, they gave them trouble with, you know, Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks, on, an, on that end of the floor, the Kyle Anderson types, on the end of the floor. The Celtics are a better version of that and they could do whatever they need to do for um, schemes wise because they have the personnel to do it. Like Al Horford likes to sit and drop coverage, but he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. And, 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 and I don't think if, unless the Warriors go into a deep shooting funk, I don't think he's going to all the time anyway, because they will, the shooters will make him pay against Miami. He got away with it a lot because those shooters were not shooting the ball. Well, and they were not penalizing him for it. They were not penalized. They were not making the Celtics pay for it. Like you can't just sit there and 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 drop against Curry, Clay Thompson, Poole, Wiggins, and so on and so forth. Like they're gonna have to hedge. They're gonna have to re- do some recovering. They're gonna have to switch. They're gonna have to do all of that stuff. I expect Grant Williams to play a decent role in the series as, as a small ball center. Like Boston, B- Boston can. They can make the thing with the NBA nowadays is defensive versatility is king. You don't necessarily have to have five Kawhi Leonard's where well, you're, you're gonna lock up. You gotta have smart defensive players you can't necessarily exploit. I feel like that's ground level. And when you have that, you could switch a lot. And switching a lot tends to grind even the best offenses into ISO heavy slogs at times. And I think the, the the Celtics best the the Celtics best case of operating in the series defensively is a lot of switching, the switch everything. I think that's the like obviously you're, you're gonna have to throw in different coverages, traps, hard hedges, all of that stuff. But mostly, I think switching is is the way to go. So you can't get pick and roll to death. You know, the, the off-ball screens, obviously you have to communicate and all of that, but the off-ball screens, you, you, you can keep track of them better when you're, you're switching everything and you are joined at the hip as a defense. But this is a, an entirely different challenge for the Celtics defense than last round because, obviously, as I said earlier, the, the Heat half-court offense was a lot of bunk. Jimmy Butler's great, but the Celtics... The Celtics covered Jimmy Butler in an entirely different way than they covered Giannis and they covered Durant. They were just like, look, it felt like they were saying, look, you you ain't sending us home making a whole bunch of contested mid-range jump shots, bro. You're not. Like, you're good at it. You might make a few of them. You might make a lot of them. You ain't sending us home that way, though. That's what it felt like. And they let him and they and they let him go one-on-one for the for the most part in the entire series. I don't think they're going to let Steph do that. Because if you let Steph go one-on-one, he will sink you. Because, you know, Seth going to make a couple threes, start shimmying. The Oracle crowd is going to start, is going to start, going to start stomping and screaming. And the next thing you know, you're down by 17 points. That, that, that's how that goes. Like, the Warriors are, obviously, are a far better team than Miami. No disrespect. 
they just are. And they offer a stiffer they they offer a stiffer challenge in a, a a variety of different ways than Miami did. And the early part of the series is going to test how Boston game plans, because the Warriors offer a different offense basically than everybody else. Because there's no set facilitator, there's no set point guard. Like they'll have whoever the fuck handle the ball. Yes, it's mostly Draymond, but you you'll see Wiggins bring the ball up sometimes. You'll see Steph bring the ball up sometimes. That's how it goes. And then and then they have a whole bunch of off ball movement, off ball screens. You have Steph running like his hair is on fire, all of that stuff. It's a tough offense to deal with and to prepare for, and it's an entirely different offense than anything the the Celtics have seen. Granted, I think they have the personnel to counter all of it. I think they have the personnel to counter whatever. But it's it's still a different offense to prepare for. Like they're gonna need some time to prepare for it. Now, the thing with the Celtics is their biggest enemy is probably themselves. Like they Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, once they start turning the ball over and, and the other team starts getting out in transition, it's tough. Like in the twelve playoff wins the Celtics have had, they've turned the ball over thirteen times a game. In the six losses, They've turned the ball over 16 times a game. And I've pointed out a million times in this podcast already, the Celtics' half-court defense is probably their biggest strength. It is it is stifling. They have the best defense in the league. Great personnel, yada, yada, yada. You've heard that already, right? Now, when you start turning the ball over 18 times a game, 17 times a game, you have Jalen Brown dribbling into traffic, giving the ball away, Jason Tim giving the ball away. You don't have to operate against a half-court defense. Now you're in transition. You create. You are creating open shots as the defense scrambles, as the, as the Celtic defense scrambles. You don't need to f- figure out how to get a good shot against them in a half-court offense in 20 seconds. So that's what it is. On the other side with the Warriors, I mentioned their defensive versatility before with you know the Clays, I guess the Otto Porters coming off the bench. Andrew Wiggins, so on and so forth. And they also expect to get back Gary Payton the second. And he should he should be they should he should be able to give them some good minutes guarding Tatum or Brown. And he's and he also averages two point eight steals per thirty six minutes this season. Oh, and look, Boston's offense, they do have the necessary tools offensively, but it's not always pretty with their offense because a lot of the times, too, Boston will get out to a decent lead or whatever, to get out to a nice lead. And then they... And I don't want to necessarily criticize people for taking open threes because that's the name of the game, and if you can shoot them, you should. But Boston operates like a team who feels like they could put you away in the first quarter. And sometimes that's true. You can. not not arguing that, but... They'll start taking some threes, and it's like, hey, man, you realize if, the, if, if you make that, the game is still going on, though, right? Like, you can't just finish them in the first quarter. But, I mean, Boston's offense is, to me, this entire series depends on what they get out of that offense. Do I think they're a better team? Yes. If they put, if they put together a below-average offensive series, they're going to lose. If they're an above average, if they put together an above average offensive series, I think I think they probably win the series. Their their regular their offensive rating this postseason has been relatively pedestrian one one eleven point eight. 
like as I said earlier, the, the Warriors were at one sixteen. So it, it, it's it's often tough sledding for the Boston offense, mostly because uh, two two things. Sometimes they can't get out of their own fucking way, and they don't have a point guard. Marcus Smart is not that. They don't have a point guard who's going to get them into good sets. And sometimes it shows. Like, when the other team starts going on these runs and the Celtics start turning the ball over and they start doing dumb shit, you can kind of tell they don't have a coach on the floor. They have a whole bunch of really good players. They have a bunch of really good one-on-one players like Tatum and Brown. But they don't have a floor or They don't have a, an orchestrator who can get them into good sets. Derek White had a great series against Miami, and and uh, he was he was making a lot of threes at the end of the series. But I'm sure Golden State will live with him taking threes. He's a 34 percent three point shooter in his career, and as much as he he made six out of ten threes to end the Miami series in the last two games, he shot he's a 25 percent three point shooter in the playoffs. If if he wants to take threes, Golden State will be perfectly content letting him. Kevon Looney versus Al Horford or whoever at, at this point in the series is going to be an interesting matchup because Kevin Looney, Kevon Looney has been a monster on the boards, a complete monster. And between him and, and, and Andrew Wiggins, they both have 42 offensive rebounds in 16 games. The Warriors are averaging 15 second chance points per game. That, that is huge. When you have the type of offensive player the Warriors have, it could be completely debilitating when you think you've gotten a stop, Steph finally misses a three, and then you, and then you see Kevon Looney you know, getting two, three offensive rebounds on the, same, on the same possession. It's tough. Like It's tough to navigate, especially on a team like that. With all that said, prediction time. I've been wrong on every single fucking thing this playoffs. So I don't even know why I'm giving predictions anymore. Um, I as I said, I think game one is going to be tough sledding for the Celtics. I don't think there's anything to really be taken from game one on their end because I expect them to lose. If they win, maybe we'll have a different combo. I don't. I don't think so. This is going to be a long series, regardless. I feel. I think the Celtics are going to win the series in seven games. Like game one is whatever. They're going to have more rest. As I said, the Celtics are going to be flying cross-country while the Warriors are just chilling, practicing. I think that matters. Game 7 hangovers, blah, blah, I think it matters. I expect the, the, I, I expect the Celtics to win four out of the next six. They've come this far. They've had to withstand two Game 7s. You know, they, they had to win a Game 7 on the road. They had to win a Game 6 on the road to avoid elimination in the second round. Jason, It, it just seems like Jason Tatum's time. He's seen everything. I've seen him go head up with... with the best player of all time, in my opinion, in a game seven in his rookie year. He's seen everything. He's done everything basically but win a championship from a team perspective. I think it's his time, and I think Boston wins in seven games. And on that note, I'd like to implore you to listen to the middle initial podcast with myself, Andrew L. Case, and Judea Jackson as we listen to current, as we listen to, as we discuss current sports topics. Also listen to um, Fly Fantasy with myself and Jure Cam as we discuss current fantasy football topics. We will be back soon with a rookie-based episode talking about um, the NFL the NFL draftees and what they're going to do in their different landing spots from a redraft and a dynasty perspective. Rate, review, and subscribe to those podcasts and for this one, and I will see you when I see you. I know if I know, no, 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 suppose,
action and pose. Girl in 